Hello, and welcome to a special presentation of Dick's Picks, in which we will be looking back at the classic from the year 2000, The Skulls. In a place where tomorrow's leaders are groomed. Where did Mr. McNamara learn to row? The local sewers, I imagine. He's a townie. He won us the Ivy League championship three years in a row. That's all I know. In an organization... Are you ready to be reborn? ...where success is assured. Our membership has its pleasures, its hardships, and sometimes its pain. We live by the rules, we die by the rules. Gentlemen, welcome home. Luke McNamara is about to get an opportunity... A skull above any other! ...he's only dreamed of. Senator, it's a pleasure to meet you. What do you think of all this? To be honest, it's all a little bit overwhelming. But if a secret society can give you everything you desire... This is your pre-acceptance to the law school of your choice. That's gotta be a mistake. You are a skull. Imagine what they can take away. None of us are safe! What are you gonna do? We live by the rules, we die by the rules. I wanna know the truth about what happened that night. The surveillance cameras. So there's gotta be tapes. Can you get any closer on this? Closer. I know what you did. It's time we remove Mr. McNamara. He's no longer loyal. If you keep digging, you're gonna dig your own grave. Only an elite few ever get in. I have evidence. They erased the tape. Who? The skull! They control everything! No one has ever gotten out. They're dead. If it's secret and elite, it can't be good. Would you like your life back, Luke? Welcome to Dick's Picks. I'm Carter, and with me is Mr. Dick himself. How are you, Mr. Dick? Dagger? Hello. <laughs> I'm doing great, and I'm so pumped. So be- pumped to be here. You are pumped because on this first edition of Dick's Picks, in which Dick picks out something for me to watch and we discuss it, the topic of our discussion is the skulls from the year 2000. <laughs> the skulls has been making the, the rounds on uh, some movie channels recently, and I just watched it for the first time. And upon discovering it, it is just such a rich Carter text. Hadn't seen. I walked in. I walked in. He he walked in on me watching it, and I just turned it on halfway through because I'm a well versed in skulls, so I can pick it up at any point in the movie and you know be pleased with what's going on. But Carter said, "What is this movie?" And I said, "You don't know this movie," and that is the impetus for this podcast. For those who do not know, uh, the skull stars Joshua Jackson. In one of his early movie roles, in Paul Walker, in what must be right after Varsity Blues. No, I think it's uh, actually yeah, I think you're right. But he, the same director of this movie, directed him in a bunch of Fast and Furious movies. Really? So that's how it. Yeah, that's the lead-in. Well, this. Uh, I mean, Paul Walker's a standout, but we can get to that in time. There's a lot to cover in this, but the also, movie early in Joshua <laughs> Jackson's career would be Mighty Ducks. 
Well, that's like child actor Joshua Jackson. This is a transition into adult acting from Joshua Jackson. Yeah. Around, what, what is it, Dawson's it Creek is... that he's in, or is that Vanderbeek? Yeah, that it, it's uh, Josh Jackson. Yep, yep. Okay, yeah. But it is uh, the story of intrigue and murder surrounding the secret societies at elite universities in America. I was amazed to see that it has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought that was a little bit low. Roger Ebert gave it one That's out of so four. Low. <laughs> Isn't That's... that insane? <laughs> but it made $50 million so on a $15 million budget, which is actually very successful. Good enough to spawn two sequels. But let me ask you the first question, Rich. How did you first discover this movie? How old were you when you first saw it? I I don't know, man. <laughs> High school? I think, like... I think this was my date movie. I would invite girls over really? and say, Hey, you want to watch the skulls? And, <laughs> Are you being serious? You know, that was, that was, I think that's how I got most of my high school dates. Oh my God. Just watching incredible. this movie. You just want to watch Paul Walker and Josh Jackson. That's like the most early 2000s thing I've ever heard. So that's how <laughs> Rich and I first yeah. discovered the skulls. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? Is it like over 10? Over 10, for sure. Oh, my God. For sure. I used to own it on DVD. (laughs) That's Uh, amazing. I think my roommate freshman year stole it. My roommate freshman year, I know he stole Requiem for a Dream, and I think the skulls disappeared somewhere in those four years, but I I still blame the freshman year roommate. uh, I'm very surprised to hear that because I literally never heard of it until this summer. That's just such a sign of how like we may only be four or five years apart but it's a generational gap right here (laughs) huge a vast Uh, gap so we're just gonna go like down a list of the characters in this sort of to start off with and we're gonna start off with joshua jackson's character who is supposed to be the star of this movie although i'll argue (laughs) that uh, paul walker absolutely steals it from him but joshua jackson plays 100 percent like some sort of local townie i guess he's supposed to be from new haven or somewhere in connecticut who goes to yale i think he's supposed to be a junior at yale and he's on the rowing team because the first thing we see (laughs) no he's not a senior is he i thought they joined like their junior year it's it's weird (laughs) because it says he he's a three-year rowing champ so the secret societies only admit seniors it's very weird I, i i was thrown off by that as well Okay, I was definitely thrown off. I thought he was a junior. He's, but he's we see him very early on. Yeah, he's on the wrong side of the tracks. He has some friends who just stole a car. Is how we're introduced to those people, which was. <laughs> it's amazing how like they just throw away petty crime to minor characters in movies. Yeah, longer like that. He, he's friends with the town. <laughs> the town people from the town are his friends. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We start. We are first introduced to him after the rowing as a cafeteria worker, where he comes across this very douchey early two thousands frat bro in a great uh, interaction in the cafeteria. But that establishes establishes him as like the everyman. I don't even. <laughs> Everything about him is just like yeah. so sketchy. <laughs> we hear that like the, he <laughs> the cafeteria scene, the cafeteria scene. You're right. It establishes him establishes him as the real protagonist every man you can relate to him he's funny about his situation and also stands up for women yes he's just like this is my friend (laughs) and stop being a a jerk jerk 
And that woman is uh, Leslie Bibb's character, who I am most familiar with her from Talladega Nights, where she plays Will Ferrell's uh, yes. wife, who uh, later is John C. Riley's wife. And I think in real life she's married yes. to uh, the guy from Three Billboards, Sam Rockwell. Uh, she's actually from huh. Richmond, Virginia. That's a fun fact. Uh, <laughs> local girl. That's how she knows know the secret society life so well. <laughs> well, that's the thing. She's supposed to be like a northeastern girl from Exeter. Like, she goes to high school with uh, Paul Walker's character, and she's described as, like, owning private jets, or she's very rich. To set her up as, like, the star-crossed lover of Luke, Joshua yeah. Jackson's poor character. Uh, this character, yeah. how do you think she compares to the prototypical late 90s, early 2000s female love interest? Same. <laughs> very little. I see. Very little growth Let me describe the Andrea, Andrea might fiance was watching with me and she said what is she doing here she's artsy she's just there. she wears glasses and has pigtails in a scene she listens to generic 90s alternative music with a female singer it hits most of yeah. the beats for these stereotypical late 90s love interest but a really crazy thing about her uh her senior thesis action jackson is a oh. computer which yeah, knows how to paint great... in the style of jackson pollock <laughs> She, she also, uh, I think it's sort of like, uh, she creates AI because yes. <laughs> she doesn't know when the program de- de- decides to create or when she tells the program to create. Exactly. It's I a have real, this, this uh, quote from her where we really see her intellectual side. She says, am I the artist? Is the machine? Maybe it's nobody and it's chaos in it's pure form. <laughs> the skulls gives us some real, like, <laughs> is the science, is this art? I love, like, uh, just the discussion around technology we get in this early 2000s movie. Because it's not that long ago. It's only, like, 20 years ago, but it just feels like a completely different world. Like, no one has cell I'm glad that you are – I'm glad you're repeating quotes because I have a good one when we get to it. (laughs) Uh, But then a, a very strange character in this movie is Will, Joshua Jackson, Luke's roommate, who is the, uh, what do you call it? The guy on the uh, rowing team? The Coxswain. Coxswain. That's he's it, right? <laughs> and he's also his best he's friend. He's... <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's the smallest, least athletic person. Light. He's like a, like a horse raceman. A race he's like a jockey, guy. exactly, yeah. He's like a jockey, and he just tells you, row, row, row. So he's he is on the rowing much. team with Luke, but he's also an aspiring journalist. <laughs> And uh, he meets an untimely demise uh, later in the movie. We'll go through that when we uh, recap the scenes later. But uh, yeah. <laughs> just general impressions on Will as a character. I thought his style was very distinctly early 2000s. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. Big old baggy jeans. <laughs> like, um, what are those? He had some good vest game. I remember yes, the vest he did. game being The nice. necklace game was, like, particularly... <laughs> Made me think of there was a picture of Chris also, Pratt from he was on a TV show I think it might have been like The Hills or something where he's got like the hair and the puka shell necklace that <laughs> it's just of such an era. <laughs> his character was just uh, like uh, if you can't be friends don't have secrets ever. <laughs> it was very one note, yeah, yeah. Oh. But yeah, he says, like, when it comes to friendship, there's no middle ground. And he says of the Skulls, yeah, like, the secret society Luke joins, if it's secret and elite, it can't be good. 
And he writes uh, an article against and, uh, tenure at the university that he's very uh, outspoken about. And Chloe, <laughs> Rich was very adamant against me using the names of the characters, but I think I'm going to insist on I don't on know doing who you're it. talking about. <laughs> just say Leslie Bibb, just say Joshua Jackson. And can we get to Paul Walker already? We will Come get to on. Paul Walker right here. The Caleb Mandrake, born to be a skull, is how his character is, is described. But he is the shining light of the movie. He emerges blonde and spectacular early on. Uh, <laughs> general impressions on Paul Walker. Most most scenes with him and Joshua Jackson just like may, make they make face off look like they were filmed in a basement, and like they're between just two terrible actors. Like these guys bring it. Oh my god! So yeah. hard, and Paul Walker dominates Joshua Jackson. Yes. Paul, Paul Walker, Walker says, this is hey, one Dawson's where... Creek, stay on TV. Yes, where it says, this you are a TV actor. <laughs> no, that is a perfect way to put it. Like, this is the guy who will yeah. go on to be a megastar, and Joshua Jackson will be on TV forever. Paul Walker comes in there swaggering yeah. like he's Robert Redford in, like, the early 70s. <laughs> yeah, but, like, super douchey. Super I douchey. Mean, he's a good actor. Oh, my God. He's playing but, the role. But he's also sort of just playing a version of himself. <laughs> He was just born to win, and you know everyone just has to deal with that. I'm I'm pretty sure after this we'll be able to create some fan fiction that ties Caleb Mandrake into the Fast and Furious series. Well, you could like easily somehow... see him. He pursues a life of crime. He doesn't want to like go yeah. after his dad, who's like potentially Supreme Court justice. He wants to go the other direction. Or actually, you know, he starts off as an FBI agent in the in the series. And then turns bad. So yes, this could easily mm-hmm. fit the narrative. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking yeah. about this. I... <laughs> I'm just, uh, I like, I, can I give a really broad overview yes, of the yes. entire plot? And then we're we going to go it? deep dive into the individual scene. So we've got all the characters, right? Josh Jackson. What's his name, Carter? Luke. All right. Leslie Bibb. What's her name? Chloe. Carter. Uh, his well, the friend. And Paul Walker. Yes. Caleb Mandrake. Okay. Joshua Jackson's from the wrong side of the streets, and he's been at Yale working his tail off, trying to get into a secret society. Serving breakfast. Not any secret society, because... He's turned down three or four. He wants the tippity toppity top of secret society. He wants mm-hmm. the skulls. Because he wants to go to law school, and there's a rumor going around that the skulls will pay for your graduate school. <laughs> it's very That's convenient. Right. So and there's a scene where he's looking at a law school brochure during class. <laughs> and it gives him the whole – it has the whole tuition, and it's like – he's like, I'm from the wrong side of the streets. I can't do this. I need the skulls. So he's waiting, and then the skulls come a call, and he has to go on a real, real chase around campus before he ends up an initiate. And then he goes and he does all cool skull stuff. There's like a hooker scene, and then there's like a threesome scene, and like they steal some stuff. But then his coxswain friend Will is starts investigating and gets in the middle of it, and. He his will steals Paul Walker's notebook into the secret society, and Paul Walker doesn't like that. So Paul Walker fights him in the temple of wherever the secret society is held, and then kills Will. 
and uh, but the skulls frame it with Shooter McGavin's help, <laughs> who so was also the provost like of the university. That terrible like like let's work on the hierarchy of the secret society don't have your provost also be doing the dirty work come on yes but and paul walker's dad aka coach is the coach is the head t nelson greg t nelson is the head of the secret society and uh paul walker tells us that his dad has always been covering up for him his whole life and that's why he hates him yep it's just he's never had to be his own man. But so they cover up the death and then Josh Jackson goes on like a rampage to like figure out what's happening. Like how are they how are they possibly covering up? And he <laughs> figures out that the skulls covered up the thing mm-hmm. and then the skulls get him placed in an um, insane <laughs> asylum. And then Leslie Bibb breaks him out and then he uses the he, they sleep together. It's in a dingy motel. Well, do they? And then, oh, heavily implied. <laughs> well, maybe it's after the fake breakup, but whatever. I think that's what up. it was. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it's like Wedding Crashers. Grief is the greatest aphrodisiac. They lose their friend Will, and then they immediately yes. get together. <laughs> but, uh, so then he uses the book for this, like, conclusion that is epic beyond all reason Mm -hmm. where he challenges paul walker to a duel and they have to choose they have to choose like muskets or pistols and they walk in he's they're like they're having a oh it's a great scene oh my gosh so we we will spoil it for you later but we're just gonna gonna deep dive into pretty much everything uh rich described right there and the uh, the incident that first or that really cements, like, the skulls, uh, you know, the idea in their head that, uh, <laughs> sorry, that Luke is a skull is the Ivy League championship rowing race. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought this oh, was yeah. a great he piece of oh, screenwriting yeah. as we get the two douchey skull members hanging out uh, in the bleachers giving the entire character histories of uh, Luke and Caleb Vandrake. Uh that's how I knew he was a senior. It said he was a three-time champion. Ah, uh, okay. At it... the rowing. And and that race, like, that comeback was unbelievable. Well, we'll get into that. The cinematic, some But the inter- this is where we get the introduction of Paul Walker, which was amazing, where he comes up in a convertible. He's driving, and there are three women in the car. And he's <laughs> we come in there, and the skulls are like, he was born to be a skull. And then Caleb comes yep. in there in his convertible and stands up. And then the girl in the back can't see. And she says, I can't see the race. Can you sit down? And then he goes, imagine it. <laughs> in the best Paul Walker way <laughs> that you could think of. And it was just perfect. It's like, this is the guy. We're just going to follow this guy because he's the man. <laughs> and then Paul we... Walker's the best. Everything around him is an object. <laughs> it's an object. Everything around Paul Walker is then, there to serve him. And then we get the start of the race where... We get literally the name of every actual school, like Harvard, Penn, Princeton, except for Yale, and they just call them the Bulldogs. So how did they get clearance from literally everyone except Yale? Well, because this is based off of, like, Skull and Bones, right, at <laughs> Yale. And so, I did don't know. Did you see that they shot this we'll at Toronto to... University in Canada? Amazing. I love Toronto. <laughs> Some of my best movies, favorite movies are filmed there. 
So yeah, we get a. This is where we establish the Luke Cox Wade relationship, which like they treat it like they're like about to play like a championship football game. The Cox Wade is like bad intentions, Luke. Bad intentions. And then uh, we get <laughs> great soundtrack, and then all time sports movie moment as one of the guys on the team breaks an oar and has to jump out mid race, and then Luke McNamara puts the team on his back, single-handedly wills them to the Ivy League championship, come back. Uh, this is the achievement that deems him worthy of being a skull. Uh, it's how does, also how does completely unfeasible. You think so? Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know that much about rowing or crew, mm-hmm. but I do know that there's even numbers of rowing of paddles on each side. So if one paddle goes, <laughs> then they're just going to be rowing in a circle. I guess especially if he's the, wrong, the one if, that's like totally dominating, they would just start careening into the next boat. Yeah, and it's <laughs> just like Titanic level uh, sinking happening. It's you know just, what they should have done was, is the guy behind him should have handed Luke Jackson. his thing, and he could have just two-handed it. Maybe that's against the rules of rowing, oh, but, oh. you know... <laughs> No, I think I don't think that works logistically. But so, and after this, <laughs> maybe it doesn't. But after this, they like almost totally drop the rowing angle. Like it's such a huge part of the beginning oh. of the movie. <laughs> no, it's well, that's what rowing is. It's an afterthought. <laughs> I guess so. But then we get like the celebration afterwards, where they're like drinking out of the cup, and uh, we get some like very weird late nineties heart attack discussion. You're gonna have a heart attack. What? You don't remember that? Where they're like going through no. like how much he needs to pay for law school and then he's going to spend however much time oh, working. Yes. <laughs> and then he's going to however much time yes, retired would, and then he's going to get a heart attack. I wouldn't call that heart attack. I would say that's debt debt refinancing. No, that was that's one of the things, discussion. yeah. They were very woke about student debt. Like was this as much I of know, a thing I, in the I early looked at them too. Because it's such a hot one this year now. Was, were they like, were like early on the student debt being an issue thing? Or was it like as much of a thing back then as it is now? This is my fifth note about the movie. <laughs> Deep thoughts during post-rowing celebration regarding student debt. It really was. That, it was... like, <laughs> yep. They went like deep into yep. it and were like, I, I won't be able to pay it off until I'm 40. And by then I'll be working for 15 years. Well, fortunately, he's got the skulls and secret societies to lean back on. And that and is... Because after uh, that, that scene... <laughs> immediately after that, yeah, he's going to pizza, and that's where we get more heart attack talk. That's where Chloe tells him he's going to die when he's 30. Because he's eating tofu pizza, which was one of the things he, like, says <laughs> we were eating tofu pizza. Have you ever had tofu pizza, Rich? Yeah. Uh, no, but I have had tofu, and it's good when it's crunchy. Okay. I don't know how that would be on a pizza, but New Haven is known for its pizza. I don't get why they uh, they didn't get the, the clam chowder pizza or something like that. But then it's we get... just, just a movie ahead of its time. Like it's it's beyond meat. It's beyond debt. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ahead of its time. It's something that should have been made in 2019, and uh, for 15 million dollars in 2019, starring Timothy Chalamet, this would be a big hit. But uh, that's beside the point. Huge. <laughs> the next... Can we remake this with that Timmy guy? <laughs> the next... All the ladies love that Timmy guy. Oh, all the ladies love Timmy. 
But the next big scene we get is the the skull's initiation, where he gets a call. Oh yeah. On the on his home phone. Hello. Are you ready to be reborn? Who is this? Payphone outside ad building. Forty seconds. Brings up the point that you need to be incredibly athletic, very quick on your feet to be a skull. I felt like that was an incredible distance to cover in 40 seconds. Uh, it was like some born legacy stuff. <laughs> and then he it was, was like, like, you need to be in the astrolabe in 30 seconds. Ditch the bike. And I need you to dye your hair blonde. And I need you to, like, yeah, it was insane. And then the skulls give all the inductees hallucinogens and put them in coffins. And they wake up reborn in a very strange room. And this I is they where just roofied uh, them. You think it was just roofing I think they just roofied him. But this is where but we get another great uh, putting Paul him in Walker moment as uh, everyone comes out of their oh, coffins yeah. and they gather around the one in the middle and they're like, oh my God, what's wrong? Guess this one didn't make it through the reborn part. Oh. You better check his breathing. I don't know. Maybe he didn't react too well to the drugs. Can I get some more of that shit? Yeah, Paul Walker's he's he roofies himself regularly for fun, <laughs> or he used to. And then we R. get the uh, the skulls coming out and like saying all their secret society stuff, and he just owns the room, going, "I'm sorry, Mister Monk," <laughs> which is another mm-hmm. great Paul Walker part. You, what well, they kept saying, a skull above any other, and then a skull ne- above any other. The next note, he they talk. I have a note that says. Is there a python in the next scene coming up? Well, they like have to. They're they are given the task of stealing the mascot of the snake and skeleton society, because apparently the skulls have every other mascot of every other secret society on campus, but no one has stolen the skulls banner. Right. But there is one skull candidate who asks if a <laughs> python is poisonous. Did you catch that? I did not catch that. That's that is not Ivy League material. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Which brings <laughs> us to another particularly 2019 point with the the children of really rich people just getting into whatever university they want. It was very prescient about the uh, the favoritism shown to uh, admittance of, uh, of Ivy League institutions, but. Uh, and the ensuing scene is where Josh Jackson and Paul Walker really start take over the pledge class of the skulls. Uh, so the next, this is the scene they, they steal the snake weather vane from on top of the uh, the snake and yeah. skeleton society, and it starts the sets up the precedent of uh, both Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker really expressing themselves through the signs of their misspent. Youths. Yes, exactly. So Paul Walker has to lockpick his way in, uh-huh. and it, and then they get on the top of the uh, building and steal the python, which is pythons are not poisonous. They strangle. It was also a really Come bad on. technique to take the the python weather vane off. It just involves like pushing it mm-hmm. in one direction, which is obviously yeah, gonna like, like fall over. Which it does, and they like let's, go careening into the boat. Let's this thing back and forth. Which was like insanely dangerous. Like a giant forth. weather vane falls into the moat with them, 
easily could have hit one of them on the way down. It's just spinning around, falling. Definitely could have hit one of them in the head. But then when they like are down in the boat, uh, Paul Walker comes up. He's like, Luke, Luke, are you okay? And then Luke, all-time classic moment, comes up with the snake first. It's like, oh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. People are very... There's that- a lot of levity around head injuries and potentially life-threatening situations 19 years ago, which just shows you how much of a different time it really was. That's fine. You know, to have the wherewithal to jump off of a 50-foot building into a small, tiny moat and then come up and scare your new best friend, your new soulmate with the snake that you just stole, that's like, that's for, that's serious. Like, Tom Brady couldn't think of that. Tom Brady wouldn't be able to do that. No, that's it is. a Belichick move. That's one of the things where we get the Paul Walker, Josh Jackson, who's the, really the alpha. This sort of starts here. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Paul Walker is the first one to jump across the moat. And then Josh Jackson's the only other guy that jumps with him. Which is like, why does anyone else deserve yeah, even Paul, to be a skull? Paul Walker. No one else does anything. It's all Josh Jackson and yeah. Paul Walker. Well, Paul Walker, uh, you know, his misspent youth was not spent uh, lockpicking. And I don't know. You're right. None of these other characters <laughs> have anything to offer. They're totally unimportant. They're just there to wear white They're just white like meathead bros, tail. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like drive fancy cars and like hide murders. It's like, the, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful brothership. But then uh, after that, we get like the second part of the Skulls initiation. This is after <laughs> Josh Jackson has a bit of, of falling out with Will. And Will's like, if it's secret, oh, it can't be Will- good. And he also says, when it comes to friendship, there is no middle ground. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who are you going to sit at, at the lunch table with? That was a Your big sticking point with Will. Yeah, exactly. There was either the skulls yeah. or him. There was no middle ground, exactly. And Hey, you you and I are Maury's, right? Having a good time drinking, talking to some girls, and uh, Caleb Mandrake and your seven new friends come in. You're going to sit with them or sit with me? You're going to introduce me or is that against the rules? What? How do you know about Caleb? You see, Chloe's already on first name basis. No guy. bullshit. Well, how do you know about Caleb Mandrake? Call it a guess. But Caleb's not the issue, all right? The issue's yes. us. Leslie yeah. Bibb was much more understanding of the situation. <laughs> but this is where we start getting. She's the, an Exeter girl. It's true, exactly. She understands she, secret societies. We learn later that she actually dated Paul Walker briefly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but he didn't remember. No, but he doesn't remember. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes, did we date? <laughs> Just like the best thing to say. Like, hey, uh, hey, person, I sort of, you look sort of familiar. I'm not going to like say the name I think is your name. I'm just going to say, did we date? Like, come on. That's just how he announced himself. Oh, wow. he, exactly. Alpha move. <laughs> Paul, this is just like. The rise of Paul Walker is so predicated by this movie. It's just so obvious when you watch it. If there's one reason to watch The Skulls, it's because of Paul Walker. But then we get the the actual sort of real Skulls initiation follows that because they achieved the the task of bringing back the snake Weathermane from the uh, the other secret society. And this is where we are introduced yeah. to Judge Linton Mandrake, a.k.a. Coach. I, I think he'll be referred to that a couple times during the, the rest of the coach. Played by Craig have T. Nelson. Have you ever actually seen Coach? I've seen a couple I episodes seen coach, I just know coach. He's coach. I think I've seen it on TV Land a couple of times. But, uh, yeah. 
That's easier to remember than Linton Mandrake. He gives a big spiel about the soulmates, which is like the thing the skulls do. They they go two by two, and uh, Coach's soulmate is a senator from Virginia, played by <laughs> the guy from CSI, uh, whose name I can't remember right CSI. now. CSI. <laughs> we will probably refer to him as CSI uh, from here on out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> CSI Las Vegas. Let's specif- Let's be specific. I'm Judge Lytton Mandrake, and on behalf of the council, welcome. In any fellowship, you need someone you can trust. Someone to be there always and for anything. A soulmate. Well, my soulmate is Senator Ames Leverett, class of 72. Gentlemen, you've been arranged in pairs, soulmates. Each soulmate was chosen to complement the other and to accept responsibility for the other. Mr. Wheeler, Mr. Pitcairn. Well done. Gentlemen, put on your watches. With the council as your witnesses, you have now become soulmates. And now, gentlemen, the rules. We live by the rules. We die by the rules. Read your rule book. There's a rule for every possible situation. Guard the key to our entry and your rule book as you would guard your own lives. Most important, remember, our rules supersede those of the outside world. A skull above any other. A skull above any other. Well done, gentlemen. Congratulations. As chairman of the Order of Skulls and on behalf of the council and the 322 alumni throughout the world, gentlemen, You are welcome. Welcome home. The proudest day of my life, Caleb. Thanks, Dad. I want to make you proud. But uh, we get the the spiel about the soulmates, and then everyone gets a brand on their wrist, which they hide right away with these expensive watches. Watches does not seem hygienic to me. They brand you, and then worst instantly they place cover it for a brand. I the worst place for a brand I could ever imagine. Everyone knows that a brand goes on the inner thigh. Like, come on! If you're trying to hide it, it's got to be covered up by the whitey tighties. Well, the, the, or anything you the, can't put. Who's gonna wear that watch all the time? Well, that's they were supposed to be like, oh, this watch we give you, you wear it all the time to hide this brand we just put directly on your wrist. But who wears a watch like all the time? They're gonna take it off at some point, like in a locker room. Someone's gonna be like, hey, what's that brand? <laughs> uh, uh, just my watch. Can <laughs> oh, we go back to the snake thing where they steal the snake? Yeah, we I just had another realization. Mm-hmm. They did it all, like without masks. Yes, they go and they steal <laughs> the snake without masks, and then they return to the secret skull lair without masks. Mm-hmm. Like, how secret can you be if you are always just up a doop a doop a doo? I'm <laughs> just going into the skull building. Like that is just just terrible. Mm-hmm. And the and we're supposed to be under the understanding that like no one knows who the members are. 
this is the ultimate safe society. But they conduct their business, as Rich points yeah. out, with a very, very careless, careless of other business. It seems like anyone could discover who they are. But uh, let's keep on. This is right. where they get their, their their rule book, which they're supposed to guard with their lives. They learn the mandates that uh, the rules of the skulls exist above the rules of any other institution, including the United States of America. So this leads us to understand that a skull could commit murder isn't as long as the other skulls yep. are okay with it, then no one else will know yeah, about totally it. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> ethically fine. And they need to it, honor it, the skulls above any other. Fine. And this is where Caleb tells his dad uh, all he wants to do is make him proud. His dad, coach, says it's the happiest day of his life. And then Luke, who we learned earlier does not have a dad, looks on and wishes that he had a dad. Yeah, but the grass is always greener until <laughs> you get to the other side. And then right after this, <laughs> Luke, uh, how Chloe discovers him to be a skull, he gets $20,000 instantly in his checking account. <laughs> the worst ATM etiquette I've ever seen. He just like, they're out on a date. He's like, oh, I'm going to make up for whatever problem we had before. Let's go out on the town, Ricky Bobby's wife. I'm Josh Jackson. Oh, no, you want to go to a nice Italian place? I don't have the cash for that. Cash is a thing in the early 2000s, late 90s. Let me go to the ATM, and why don't you look over my shoulder as I enter my pin, and what? Should I check my balance? Oh, look how much is in my balance, Ricky Bobby's wife. What is this? It's terrible. No, there but God. then he... But, it's not like it was a secret anyway, because he proceeds to like dance around and be like, <laughs> imagine like someone who yeah. is like a criminal being like, oh my God, that guy's rich. Let's just punch him and take out all his money. <laughs> he was not exactly being discreet about it. Or this. like <laughs> Leslie Bibb's like, you got to know his pin is one, two, three, four. Uh, like probably, with that yeah. sort of like. Uh, just general awareness sort of, like, of his surroundings. Uh, yeah. Let me dance around because of how much money I have in a very public place in New Haven, which is not exactly the safest place in the world. But yeah, besides the point. What happens next? Next, we get the the, go the discovering of the perks of being a skull. I like to describe this sequence where yeah. the discovering the perks of being a skull. This is where each new skull inductee, which we're led to believe is something around like 10, maybe. Is that how many you would guess? Really, Paul Walker and Josh Jackson yeah, are the 10, only 12. ones who even, like, speak. The rest are just, literally, as Rich said before, just there to, like, wear coat and tails and, like, be bodies. And leather jackets and be <laughs> yes. buff. Leather jackets and be buff. But they each, uh, they oh, all... Oh, and this is, this is where the Creed song comes on, right? That comes on about halfway through the sequence, yeah. They all boat on to the private Skull so... Resort Island, seemingly each in their own little boat. So the skulls have they have a lot of money. They have a very uh you know, their expenses, their slush fund is extensive, we should say. But uh <laughs> then we get a classic late nineties moment where Josh Jackson jumps on his bed when he's introduced to his uh his suite at the Skull Island. And I think this was definitely a trend around this time where characters jump on a bed. I think of Rat Race and Ocean's Eleven. Is <laughs> Andrea Andrea compared it to Pretty Woman and said He's going to have to fuck someone soon. <laughs> it's, I mean, it certainly leads you to think of something like that, the secret societies and everything, but 
He gets a tuxedo. Caleb comes in, helps him tie his bow tie. This uh, cements their bond as soulmates. Paul Walker superior. He exactly. Knows how to do it. Paul Walker. Exactly. He knows the rules. He knows how to act in a in a society like this. Luke is totally out of his depth. It, it, around now we start seeing that was <laughs> that maybe Luke shouldn't have been his, a skull. His misspent youth was used. His misspent youth was spent learning how to tie bow ties. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, lock picking versus bow ties. Make That's the difference of being born to be a skull and just sort of. You know, being good at sports and locking your way into it, but you know, that's just another reason Paul Walker is better than Josh Jackson. But this is where, and then right after that, like Luke, very quickly is just like, you know, he's in like Flint, he's in the Skulls community. Uh, Coach invites him to the Mandrake Thanksgiving, where they only eat what they kill, and we know this is where we're introduced to the fact that Caleb is a great shot, which will come up later. And uh, Luke says, when uh, when Coach asks him uh, where he spent his last Thanksgiving, Luke says, a pizza hut, which I thought was so weird. And it indicates that not only is he, like, an orphan, but he doesn't have any family. He doesn't have, like, aunts, uncles, grandparents, cousins. He doesn't have anyone. And even, like, Will, like, his best yeah. friend, who he says is his brother, who obviously has a mom. Why didn't he spend Thanksgiving with them? Doesn't invite him to Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly, right? Is he that good of a friend? Like, who is just going to a pizza hut for Thanksgiving? Is he by himself? Is anyone with him? I do sort of like the the um, the tradition of only eating what you kill. But, like, it should be something out of a vending machine if you're a member of my family. Yeah, you think Like, so? you just... Everything's closed. You forgot to get food. We got to find a vending machine. Let's kill a Twix. That's how the Knacks do Thanksgiving. And then we get uh, the Virginia Senator, a.k.a. CSI, reveals he is on the admissions CSI. committee at Harvard. And uh, this is where we start getting a, a hint at the fractious relationship between Coach and CSI, where Coach <laughs> admonishes CSI for discussing discussing Luke's admission in a public forum. But it's like, dude, you're at a Skulls thing where you could literally kill someone and no one will know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have also, like, CSI seems, I I just, that came like, that was like a, a flip of a switch. Like, everything seemed cool between Coach and CSI <laughs> until that moment. And then Paul Walker tells Josh Jackson, yeah, they don't get along. They're soulmates, but they, like, went after the same gig uh-huh. and, like, haven't been the same ever since. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a part where this is also where we're introduced between uh, Caleb and Coach's, uh, their, their also their relationship, which isn't very good. It starts to wonder why Coach is the head of the Skulls when everyone seems to hate him. Because his son gets yep. into this conversation where CSI asks him, like, what he's doing. And uh, Paul Walker says, I'm just treading water, just, waiting just to see what happens. <laughs> and then Coach says, your and arms must be says, getting tired. Uh, and then, <laughs> then he says, they are, Dad, because you keep throwing me in the deep end of the pool. <laughs> and then he storms uh, off to get a drink. And uh, just an all-time moment. And he... Okay. Yeah. Oh no! The most all-time moment comes a second later when uh, 
Creed comes on. I don't know if it's oh, higher oh, with arms oh, wide open. It's uh it's uh but then Can you take me higher? But yeah, all of a sudden these beautiful can you take, as Rich Rich indicated they may be prostitutes. I'm not quite convinced of that. They might be prostitutes, they might just be <laughs> Yale students. They're certainly hookers. <laughs> Rich they walk up to prostitutes them and they they the one girl walks up to Joshua Jackson and he looks like dumbfounded, like, "Oh, you're stunning, hello." And she says, "I know everything about you." And then they proceed to dance, and it cuts away to Paul Walker winking back at Joshua Jackson with a hooker on each arm uh-huh. as he's leading them back to his room where he can pretty woman jump on the bed with him. Assuming mm-hmm. and it's Im- amazing. Immediately after this. Each of them gets a different expensive foreign car, uh, and they're all like, bro, this is so sick. <laughs> and I think their names are on the windshield of each of them. And all the while, Can You Take Me Higher by Creed completely unironically is playing. Caleb. Seems to be a little tension there between your father and the senator, huh? Yeah. They were schoolmates, soulmates. And it's gotten substantially worse since my father beat Levert out for chairman. That must be tough, man, trying to follow in those footsteps. Well, he's an ambitious man. The idea of getting the Supreme Court is the only thing he really loves. Speaking of love. But this, this yeah, immediately after this, it's all just uphill. Everything is going good for Luke. This is all just so great. Being a skull is awesome. But then we're introduced to maybe the negatives of being a skull, where his coxswain best friend roommate Will, uh, <laughs> we get a sequence where Paul Walker uh, finds his car broken into, the windshield is smashed, and he's like. Seems very intent on knowing who it was. He's been at boxing practice. (laughs) He's been at boxing practice. And he goes to Josh Jackson and asks for, what is it, the key that they keep around their neck? It's like the key to the secret skull's lair. Yeah. No. (laughs) Paul Walker isn't smart enough to keep it around his neck. Joshua Jackson is. So that's how uh, Paul Walker's key was stolen by best friend Coxswain Will. (laughs) And that's when... Uh, Paul Walker walks up to Joshua Jackson and Leslie Bibb, and go, he goes, "Uh, Josh, J- what's what's Joshua Jackson's name? Luke. Luke. He goes, Luke, Luke, I need your help. 
I lost my key. Uh, could I could I borrow yours? And Joshua Jackson's like, yeah, sure, man, be careful. And he takes it off his neck. And Paul Walker's like, what? A necklace key? Never would have thought of that. And then he looks at Leslie Bibb and says, did we date? It's it's great. And then he uses the key to get into the secret lair where he finds Will just narrating into a recorder everything that he is seeing. And when Caleb comes in and starts yelling at him, in a great moment of investigative journalism, Will continues to narrate, and he goes, It's Caleb Mandrake. Dominating the entire room in six-foot letters is carved the word war. The main room is about 80 feet across, and it's magnificent, with nearly 10 pillars made entirely of travertine marble. 150 years of wealth. I've you! Seen you broke into my car, you stole my key, you stole my book, now I want your camera, I want the tape, and I want my stuff back now. Okay, okay, no problem, man, just calm down, and you know, here's your key, right, you can have that, but, um, well, I, I got your book, I don't have it with me, though, and we can get that anytime, okay, but, uh, just calm down. And then we get a cut, and we don't see the actual event until later. And uh, Caleb says nothing is going to yeah. happen to him and everything's going to be fine if uh, Will just takes him to where the rule book is hidden. He's like, it's all good, bro. And then Will's like, I can't do that. Yeah. And uses his camera flash seemingly as a weapon against uh, Paul Walker, thinking that this is going to knock him out or distract him enough. And then he tries running away. Uh <laughs> And fights against Caleb. And Will falls backwards off the ledge. Caleb grabs his foot, trying to help him up. But then the shoe comes off and Will falls and seemingly breaks his neck. But we find out that Will is not actually whoa, dead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, wait. You're going way too far ahead. I just stood up to get the Roomba out of my room and you're already getting ahead of this? Get I'm doing, out of here. doing the whole sequence. Okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's a, real, to be it's a real weird narrative because they use flashbacks that are like completely truthful. There yes. is no sort of uh, like, and the the flashbacks <laughs> there's are basically exactly what happened. So you're not like, oh, I wonder if this happened. The flashback, no, the camera, the tape that they find shows exactly. exactly. But immediately happened. after we see Will starting to like fall from the ledge. Uh, we get, like, a cut to Josh Jackson, like, in his room, like, perseverating on their argument earlier in the day, where Will was like, there is no middle ground in friendship, and he goes to Will's room, like, knocking on the door, saying, what's up, and we find Will is strangled himself, hung by his, uh, the fan in his room, and, like, around the room is a raid. computer cord. Yeah. And all this very weird... And it, the computer just says, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, the suicide note says, I'm it's sorry. Like... And uh, one of the strangest suicides uh, you've seen in film. Makes me think of, uh, though, Scream 2. Had a scene very similar to that, though, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just whenever I think of Scream, I just think of the girl getting crushed in the uh, door opener. <laughs> That's in door. Scream 1. That's Rose McGowan, actually. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, this is also the point where we're introduced to maybe the third most important character. What is this guy from? 
The detective? Like a Law and Order or an Ally McBeal? Yeah. The detective, I think of him from, uh, oh man, he plays uh, a bad guy in The Rock. He's like a member of uh, 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 <laughs> Ed yeah. Harris's crew in The Rock. Uh, yeah. He's in some other stuff too. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we get a. Uh... <laughs> Let me get back on track here. Paul Walker, like, gives his side of the story. And then uh, we learned that Will was doing an expose on the skulls and was actually getting, like, jo- job offers from, like, the New York Times and the Washington Post and all sorts of stuff. They don't name those specifically, yep. but that's what we're, like, led to believe. And uh, But you just have to question Will's ethics as a journalist. You know, like, breaking into a car, breaking and entering, destruction of personal property. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this stuff actually well, even going to, like, hold up? He's an amateur, you know? He's an amateur. He's he's just getting his uh, his uh, sea his legs in the journalism in the biz. Journalism he's world. he's just like breaking in whatever. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't really. He's not really sneaky enough. But then in a, in another great scene, which is probably like the moment in the Josh Jackson Paul Walker head to head mano a mano, who's the real star of this movie scene? We get the revealing process where where we are introduced to the head of protocol of the skulls who introduces us to a ritualistic uh, initiation uh, process where the soulmates go into a cage and have to answer completely honestly every question that their soulmate asks asks them. <laughs> and then we get Josh Jackson and Paul Walker go into the cage together. And <laughs> Luke, Caleb, or jo- let's, let's refer to them by their names as actors. Paul Walker asks Josh Jackson what his worst fear is. <laughs> yeah, please, I could not follow. Hey, Luke, what's your worst fear? My worst fear? My worst fear is that I'll always be alone. My mother was killed in a car crash when I was so young that I can't even remember her face. My whole life, I never had any family, up until a couple years ago when I met a friend who became like a brother to me. And then last week, he was taken from me, too. Now, why do you think that keeps on happening, Caleb, huh? Any ideas? I don't know, Luke, who can answer that? You can. You can tell me the worst thing you've ever done. I had an affair with my mother's best friend. Why are you so afraid of your father? My father always covers for me. Always gets me out of trouble. I never take responsibility for anything. Fine, then take responsibility for this. What's the worst thing you've ever done? God, where do I start? Was Don't play games with me, Caleb! What's the worst thing you've ever done? The worst! What are you talking about? I know what you did. What are you talking about? Oh, I found this. This is the test of their acting prowess. And, uh, I don't know. What are your general impressions on this scene, Rich? I'm just... I don't understand this ritual. How they're going to get tired of being in this cage. I mean, the acting I was very pleased with. I was so happy that they were, they had a cage between them. Otherwise they would have, yes, Paul Walker would have smashed Josh Jackson. Oh my God. Yeah. Like just, but it was also like just, just a stupid ritual, a pointless ritual, which is, I guess is the point of secret societies. 
What do you it's think dumb. all the other guys were asking like, each other? Uh, how many girls have you been with? <laughs> <laughs> like that's uh, the kind. That's the, that's the character. Those are the rest of the skulls. The situation is just like uh, it is a just a mechanism in the script to get this this encounter between Paul Walker and Josh yeah. Jackson, where he has to face the truth. Well, it's important because it really. <laughs> Yeah, it's important because it allows Josh Jackson to accuse Paul Walker in a real roundabout way. But it also gives him a better lay of the land of the Skull's lair and lets him see the enormous cameras that are all over the area, of the, all over the secret building. Yes, this is... recording everything at all times. The beginning of, uh, I think, of uh, Enemy of the State, as the sort of ultimate 90s paranoid surveillance movie. This is a few years after Enemy of the State, but we're getting the beginnings of America as a surveillance state where uh, where just everything is being taped, especially in the Skull's headquarters. And this is around where the provost, a.k.a. Shooter McGavin, starts becoming a bigger character. And uh, <laughs> just general impressions uh, on an administrator, an official administrator of the university, also being a hitman for a secret society. Just, do you think that those two roles like... should be mutually exclusive? Strong, yes. <laughs> of course. You, I mean, do you know what a provost does? He's supposed to be the sort of uh, middleman between, like, the dean and the student body expressing, you know how each one wants the university to go forward, right? A liaison, if you will, between the, the dean and the student body. Then what does the president of the university do? The president of the university is, uh, is a figurehead of sorts that, uh, that is there to take the responsibility and, and gathers information from the provost to see which direction the university should go in. Okay. <laughs> That's, those seem like really feasible answers. Uh, I don't see Hitman fitting underneath any of those descriptions. Yeah, Shooter McGavin, the provost, is actually the one who breaks Will's neck, we discover in a surveillance video later. And he also uh, is involved yeah. in covering up evidence from the police. He is the one who probably commits the most yeah. felonies. Everyone else is sort of behind the scenes. The only one we see really getting his hands dirty is Shooter McGavin, the provost. Serious fall guy. Like... <laughs> I, I I don't know wh- how much he's getting paid, but it's not enough. <laughs> no, it's not because well. he's taking all the the blame when the shit really hits the fan. If he's alive to yeah. take the blame <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. But like, <laughs> so uh, Josh Jackson sees all the cameras and he knows mm-hmm. that his buddy. Well, he doesn't know his buddy was in the investigating in the skulls no he doesn't know that well leslie bibb tells him that he was running an expose uh, how does he track down so he he and his uh, so after that he sort of gets falling out with the skulls we don't know if he's really going to be a member or not he seems like he's on the fritz he goes to his townie friends who earlier in the movie in a very (laughs) late 90s scene have stolen a car and he's riding on his bike and attaches himself to the car and like rides by him on a seemingly never ending street discussing all sorts of stuff like, you know, like why are you such a pussy going to college? All sorts of stuff. 
But uh, he brings yeah, them. Big, look at the big brains. <laughs> he brings them a case of Sam Adams as a as a peace present to get them uh, to go on his side for this upcoming heist, and also actually gives them the car given to him by the skulls, which is a bit like maybe a hundred yeah. grand. It seems like a lot to give somebody for. Like, but their skills do pay and off because they, they end up being like they come up with this. This plan they come up with is like high quality Ocean's Eleven plan. Yes, the, like, the plan is to steal got, the surveillance uh, tapes, which would show Will's death. Because we we learned yeah. that they keep all these tapes in like the university library, uh, where there's like an exhibit that there's like just a student is in front of it, like you need a pass to get inside of the exhibit, and uh, that's like the high level of security the skulls are using to get into the, the place they keep literally like every hour of footage of everything that happens in their secret society place. I, w- I wouldn't describe that section as an exhibit because it just a has secret, a bunch of books. It's a secret in it. collection. It's a secret. It's a collection. It's like yeah. where they keep like <laughs> the rare, the first editions. It's like where Yale keeps the Gutenberg Bible, I guess. But even sure, so, there sure. was not a lot of security they, for it. It was just like a dude. No, who goes in twice a day, and he they gets say you the tapes set your and watch he goes out. That's way. what his friends say. You can set your watch it's... by it. Yeah, but but then they like they like go. They get the tapes. He struggles with the guy. Well, he Josh maces Jackson, the guard. Beats up the bodybuilder. Yeah. Then he tases huh? him. He maces the guy. Then he tases him. He tases him. <laughs> And then he outruns the car being driven by the provost for seemingly like half a mile. By shooter. Yeah, shooter McGavin. And then he takes him into a corner where his friends are lying in wait uh, inside of dumpsters. Or, oh, actually, they rappel. And they rappel down. (laughs) They rappel down behind him. And they knock him out. And they knock him out with like lead pipes. And then also, the girl who's uh, like uh, dating one of the guys was in. A trash bin in case it like really got bad, right? Yes. <laughs> and yeah, then yeah. Leslie Bibb comes and up in the Leslie car Bibb as the getaway driver. Gets him out of there, drives him out. Josh Jackson has an incredible over the hood of the car slide. Uh which was just amazing. It really is like an Ocean's Eleven kind of scene. But uh immediately after that we have like the big dark corridors of power of the skulls. Uh and this is when they unanimously vote to put Luke in the mental hospital. After Coach threatens CSI with the revealing of unflattering photos. And we get a great quote here describing uh, CSI's mistress. He says she likes to eat popsicles after you make love. <laughs> I thought that was such a weird thing to say. Weird. <laughs> weird. And then... Uh, oh, wait. We missed something? I gotta, I gotta go back. I think we missed my, my uh, monologue. Which one was that? Uh, it's when... Josh Jackson is enlisting Lisa uh, Leslie Bibb to join him. Was well, this he, when they, before they have the fake the, breakup? Uh, it's before they break in and steal the tape, and he goes to her and he says, ah, "I'm like, I don't know. I might have to go out on a limb because he was selfish." There's, I know a friend. He has to go out on a limb, and it's because he was selfish and because he was greedy, and he thought. They would give him everything that he ever wanted. But all they ended up giving him was a disaster. So now this friend of mine, he can go out on a limb, and that limb could get off, cut off. But everything about being on that limb is right. 
so what do I do? And then Leslie Bibbs just like, what are you saying, man? Tell me what's going on. Let's work it out. My daddy's got a jet. I'm from Exeter. Let's go. It's, it's like Joshua Jackson, he had the best monologue of the movie. Paul Walker won the movie Joshua Jackson. That's well, the best novel. Josh Jackson has certainly given more to do, but that just speaks to the disparity in talent between the two uh, the stars of this movie. If Paul Walker was given a monologue yeah. like that, he would have – uh, he would have taken it to a, a very different place than you imagine it could have gone. Josh Jackson is such like a standard generic leading man. He's he's the he's the leading man we deserved in the late nineties. Right, one hundred percent. But then this is uh this is where we get the fake breakup between Josh Jackson and Leslie Bibb, seemingly in front of the entire campus. We get a very revealing uh-huh. shot of Shooter McGavin <laughs> exactly in the cafeteria. And he's like, yes, they're broken up. I see this. And immediately after this, they have yep. a, a steamy encounter in the bathroom where they turn the shower on to yeah. very hot, it seems. The the bathroom steams up very quickly. You'd think that they could have turned it a little cooler. It would have preserved, uh, you know, the water bill would have been a little less for that. We as, an, we as an audience, we just see the breakup and we think, oh, no, our favorite <laughs> female protagonist and male protagonist are no longer together. Mm-hmm. But then we find out it was all a ruse exactly. to get the skulls off her they back. They pulled the cordon over the yeah. skulls and, because it was for Leslie safety. Because he thought maybe if they think she's they involved. Did. <laughs> if she knows anything about the investigation. Uh-huh. But it was also like uh, uh, Paul Walker says to him, great job after, immediately afterwards mm-hmm. in the cafeteria see paul so walker paul is not walker tough to, you think so you think he saw through that paul or you walker think he totally through. fell for it 100 percent. i was under no. the implication he fell, fell for it no way paul walker's he's he's a few steps ahead he's just he's like he knew he's the master josh Jackson's of, of the conspiracy the and the lies okay i can see that now Mm-hmm. This is something that reveals itself Talk. after double-digit watchings, which I have yet to achieve. But yeah. uh, <laughs> after <laughs> after the successful heist, Josh Jackson takes the physical tape, which was also a great thing to see, like a physical VHS tape, which was also like little. It was like a cassette, like a nine millimeter. Yeah, <laughs> he takes nine millimeter cassette to the yeah. police station to the detective, who we haven't expanded too much on, but becomes a very important character as the movie uh, yeah. is on. What did you think? What did you think about the exchange between the detective and Josh Jackson during I this thought, point, where like, like we find the tape has been wiped? And Josh Jackson starts accusing everybody. Yeah. He's like, you deleted the tape. You deleted the tape. You know. <laughs> so, when, uh, so when I, okay, I didn't, this portion of the movie was a bit fuzzy for me. <laughs> so I was watching it and I was like, is the detective like trying to make sure he doesn't implicate himself? Mm. Like, is he really on his side? Is he doing some sort of shenanigans? But no, no. all of my trust for the detective was misplaced. Exactly. This is a point. The detective is a very fuzzy character. Is he working for the Skulls? Is he not? You'd think... It was crazy that the tape even had time to get erased. You'd think, like, as much as Josh Jackson's gone through, that he would, like, keep that tape on him until, like, everyone saw it. Uh, Yeah. This is... Yeah. Like, why would you (laughs) let him walk into another room with the tape, with your evidence? Exactly. Like, Like, I... 
let's go to the cam or the VCR together. Like, <laughs> come on, Josh Jackson. But like, Just, you're not going to law school with that sort of foresight. No, exactly right. He's supposed to know like how to <laughs> use things to his advantage and things like that. The the more we see of Josh Jackson, the less he seems like Harvard Law material, and the less he seems like Skulls material. But uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. after <laughs> they watch the VHS tape, which has been wiped, he just starts freaking out on everybody. Or it's just a blank tape. Well, maybe. But it's not surprising he gets sent to a mental institution, because he certainly acts like a crazy person. And also because the higher level skulls had already been chatting about it and gotten everyone on board to send them to one of their institutions. Mm-hmm. We get some more skull stuff. We learn that each skull gets $100,000 when they become an official member, which is amazing. <laughs> Maybe that's later, but I can't remember where that happens. But then we get the escape from the hospital where Leslie Bibb gets help from CSI the Virginia senator, to break him out of the hospital where he's being held against his will and being put on what seemed like very heavy, serious drugs because he looks like he's comatose when they like get to the building. And he's just drooling. He's, <laughs> he's got, like, drooling on himself. All the way down to his navel. The staff of, of the like, hospital he's, he's... are liable for this. They must know that this person is yeah. being mistreated. <laughs> but they just watch on like nothing's happening. This just shows you how much the skulls have infiltrated every aspect of American society. And we see this because uh, CSI has recruited Leslie Bibb to come and help get Josh Jackson out of there. Mm-hmm. So CSI, the Virginia senator guy who is coaches nemesis and coaches Paul Walker's father, uh, CSI gets Josh Jackson and Leslie Bibb out of there and into a car. And then he mm-hmm. says, you've got to get out of here, get somewhere safe or something along those lines. And then they speed off and he goes his other way. And as they're speeding off, guess who comes behind him? Mm-hmm. Shooter McGavin. Shooter McGavin. The provost of <laughs> Shooter McGavin's like in his Jeep Cherokee trying to run him off the road. But Leslie Bibbs got some defensive driving classes under her belt. Mm-hmm. And they finally teach advanced driving and he runs her off the road. Advanced driving. <laughs> and they he pulls he's about to well, shoot no, him. They run into a train tracks. The, and it seemed like one of them easily could have broken a neck. This impact is forty plus yeah. miles an hour. And they run straight into like the like a train trestle bridge. It's shocking that they come out of there with no injuries at all. But yeah, they get out of the car. Well, it was like no, they. Yeah, they <laughs> the, hit. They hit the, some sand. The sand. Uh, it's the, sandbags. Like, displaced yeah, the yeah. energy. <laughs> the provost yeah. comes out of there, yanks the drugged up Josh Jackson out of the car, and is about to like execute him, like <laughs> straight up, like bullet to the head, and then bang, the yeah. provost is shot three times, falls off of the trestle. The shooter is revealed to be the detective who has been working for CSI the whole time. It's an amazing twist. Why? <laughs> oh man, it's it's an like I was oh I was mind blown. I was mind blown. This I think is the scene I walked in on, which piqued my interest in skulls in the first place. And you, yeah, you pulled it away from me by turning off the TV and and piquing my interest in it. Yeah, I I said all or none, Carter. You can't just. You have to watch all of it and get it for all it's worth. But right after this... It's a great scene. And it also... 
Yeah. It, it's where the, the detective just says, uh, it's everything's in the rule book or something like that. Mm-hmm. So then the detective uh, seemingly Jackson... does not care about using the official avenues of the American justice system. He's completely in the pocket no. of CSI. <laughs> 1000% CSI owns him like wash that detective badge and this it's is where dead. it starts to reveal itself that CSI is the mastermind behind the whole thing fomenting this uh, rivalry between Josh Jackson and Paul Walker all to bring down coaches downfall and assume the role as the head of the skulls as CSI tells Luke that there's a loophole in the Skull's rulebook. Well, he lets Luke find this himself after giving uh, Leslie Bibb the the uh, cerebral but also very revealing hint book. that it's all in the book. Exactly. It's all in the rulebook. And then they... And no, <laughs> specifically, we live by the rules, we die by the we rules. We die by the rules. What could that mean? It leads... Yeah the couple who have a knack for investigative journalism left behind by their friend that Josh mm-hmm. Jackson must use a loophole in the Skulls rulebook to challenge Paul Walker to a duel to settle their differences in regards to Will's death. And he does this in very dramatic fashion. Under the auspices of Rule 119, I hereby petition for justice for the satisfaction of differences between myself and Mr. Caleb Mandrake. In the matter of the death of Will Beckford. What's rule 119? 119. Of disputes arising between members of such serious nature that avail themselves of no other solution. A challenge may be presented and gentlemanly means pursued. And what does that mean? He's challenging you to a duel, Caleb. (laughs) A duel? You must be kidding. No, sir. I'm not. Dr. Whitney? It is part of our tradition. The man's a fugitive. He should be arrested. Call the authorities. Pitcairn? Our rules supersede theirs, Lytton. You, of all people, know that. He rose back to the island. <laughs> it's a great throwback. To use his skills, because we're not actually sure where this island is. It seems very remote. It seems maybe like Nantucket, maybe Cape Cod. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't know where the island is, but when he gets there, everyone's in their uh, in their tailed tuxes Mm -hmm. and they're just like ready to party, ready to party, bring ready to bring in some more hookers. And then out of nowhere, Josh Jackson throws down the I challenge Paul Walker to a duel. They go to this beautiful Grecian, possibly Romanesque style platform in the middle of the woods which I guess is the official dueling ground of the Are skulls. Are we sure it's in the middle of the woods? Where do you think it is? I thought it was like, I thought it was like on the side of the island, clearly visible to anyone on their boat <laughs> rowing you by. Thought it was like in the middle of the Yale campus. That's the, the light. Yeah, that's what the lighting said to me. The lighting said to me, "This is on the side of the island," <laughs> and I was like, in my head, I, I said, "You know, maybe you shouldn't do your duels." in the side of the island maybe do it in a less lit place more with more trees and stuff it certainly so just was any passerby very much in plain sight 
and they're all just wearing mm. their coat and tails. It's such like a strange thing for anyone to happen upon. They're like, oh, <laughs> what's going on here? Oh, Paul Walker's getting into a duel with Josh Jackson. But this is this is the finale. This is the climax of the movie. Everything builds up to this moment. Uh, Paul Walker picks the pistols for the duel. Remember, we learned earlier that Paul Walker is a great shot. There's no chance Josh Jackson is going to win this duel. They go their 10 paces, and all the while Josh Jackson is telling Caleb he doesn't have to do it. All he has to do is tell the truth. And then when they get to the 10 paces, Luke and drops know his gun. And he yep. he <laughs> says, I know it was an accident. Uh-huh. We can go to the police. He drops yep. his gun. Caleb is shoot is aiming at him. He doesn't fire. Coach starts screaming, telling Caleb to fire, but he can't do it. Coach picks up a gun to fire at Josh Jackson, and Paul Walker shoots his dad. <laughs> you forgot the most important part before the that? duel. Josh Jackson tells Paul Walker throughout the movie thought that uh, Will, the coxswain, was dead when he left him. But Josh Jackson tells him that Will was alive, and Shooter McGavin snapped his neck. <laughs> on the orders of Paul Walker's father, coach. <laughs> and so before the duel, Paul Walker says, Dad, have you ever lied to me? Did, was, well, no, he says, Will, was Will alive when I left that room? And coach says, no, son, and I've never lied to you. <laughs> and then Paul Walker says, huh, I think my dad's lying to me. <laughs> This all sets up the climactic moment where he shoots his dad, but he's such a good shot. He does not shoot to kill. He hits him perfectly in the shoulder and the coach is just lying on the ground. And then immediately after this, Paul Walker is so distraught that he's about to shoot himself. But Josh Jackson runs over and tackles him immediately before he pulls the trigger, helps him up, newfound respect for each other. They are soulmates in truth, even if they're no longer soulmates in name. As there's no way that he continues to be a member of the Skulls after this. So, the immediately after Paul Walker shoots Coach, one of the Skulls screams, "Is there a doctor here?" <laughs> Which high-powered secret society? Why wouldn't you say that? Why wouldn't you say, "Hey Jimbo, you got this. Our boy's shot. I know you're a doctor." It's like, don't we have, like, the head of surgery <laughs> at Boston Medical or whatever? Right. <laughs> right. Like, the secret, I don't, I don't, oh, boy. Uh, CSI, so Paul Walker, he, he's, he's reborn when Joshua Jackson prevents him from shooting himself in the head. Mm-hmm. And, like, Joshua Jackson gets off scot-free and CSI, who has been the master manipulator... <laughs> speaks to him in the hallway before Joshua Jackson leaves. And he's seems like a real proud paternal figure. Mm -hmm. But then he says, if you walk away and I call on you one day, (laughs) do you think you'll be able to say no to me with your wife and your children? And And what I know about what you've done, are you willing to take the risks of what may happen if you don't do what I want? And Josh, Joshua Jackson says, Oh, yeah. And then he walks away. And I guess CSI is proud of him and isn't going to call this favor because he says, 
Exactly. Good for you, boy. He respects him. He respects him as a person. He thinks that he exhibits the values that a skull should, uh, you know, exhibit, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily where the skulls are as an organization in the late nineties, early two thousands. I just is that was that the end of the movie? Well, the end of the movie that happens, and then Leslie Bibb and him are walking. At a nondescript lighthouse, seemingly, I don't know where it is. Maybe on yeah. the island that the skulls inhabit. Maybe they live on that island now, but we don't know. They seemingly, we don't hear much about his future as a lawyer. He seems to maybe be past that. He sees that the skulls have infiltrated every aspect yeah. of the American judicial system and that, that law is a practice not worth pursuing anymore. Or maybe he's just saying, you know what? I'd rather not be a part of any sort of murder plots, and I'll just take on the massive amount of debt. I will be a lighthouse keeper. <laughs> yeah. I just... I, I I love this movie. I think it's great. So, yeah. So, what do you, what do you think this says about, about the era it was made in? How do you think it still works 20 years on? I think it... I think it should become even more appreciated because yes. it worked then and it works now. And it's just like, it's got everything you need in a movie. It's about it's the just, 1%. It's, it's wonderfully about done. Healthcare. It's about student debt. <laughs> it's got everything. It's got everything. It's got action. And it's got uh, like a uh, real sort of uh, heists in it. Mm-hmm. In many it's ways, it reminds me of uh, you know the the perfect score. You know that movie with Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In many ways, it reminds they me of that. The SAT. Exactly. Yeah. There's just like a certain yeah. f- vibe that the early 2000s movie gives off that is like lightning in a bottle, <laughs> and it's such a strange time. A, a lot of them are like. Yeah, like rallying against the status quo and the system that has it all rigged against you. You know, uh-huh. it's, it's. I just, I wanna, I wanna listen to the soundtrack. I wanna see. I want you to listen to the soundtrack and tell me how many of those songs you have heard outside of this movie. Outside of when, the great as I was song. watching the movie. Yeah, as I was watching the movie, I was like, I wonder how many of these songs I actually know. And I heard two or three, probably like very few. <laughs> but yeah, it yeah the the question of also, who won this movie is 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 one that is almost not even worth bringing up because Paul Walker so obviously shines above everyone else in this movie. And yeah, on a somewhat serious <laughs> note, it is it is a real reminder of of what we've lost in Paul Walker. He's just he's a great movie star, and he was uh, not afraid to take a check. And be in a movie that maybe was was below his skills, but uh, but inhabits <laughs> <laughs> but inhabits can every role a, perfectly. Can you name? Here's my rebuttal. Can you name a movie that was at his skill level? <laughs> Timeline. <laughs> what? Are you? Is that like clock stoppers or whatever? Get no. out of here. <laughs> Timeline's the one where his dad is a historian who's who's gone back to the past somehow, and he must go to the past to find his father and bring him back to the early two thousands present. Well, 
Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen that. I I bet it's good. It's... Or maybe I did. I don't remember. Oh, it's it's a great movie. But Ooh. the skulls, the inaugural episode of Dick Specs. I'm sure the Dick and Neck will have uh, <laughs> future picks uh, that will be just as interesting and rich of text as the skulls turned out to be. And I think we're all better people having seen the skulls. If you haven't seen the skulls, I advise you to yeah. to seek it out because it's been playing on the movie channels almost nonstop the last month. Uh, <laughs> final words, I Rich. I had to get a Cinemax seven day subscription and then cancel it to watch this for free. Wow. I gotta, you gotta, you gotta, it's easy. <laughs> watch this movie. Worth saying all time Paul Walker role. What happened to Josh Jackson? We learned that he was out alpha by Paul Walker. Oh, <laughs> it sounds here's like my final takeaway. Uh. I've been Carter. I've been talking about this movie for about a month now. Everyone I see, I say, have you seen the skulls? Have you seen the skulls? It's a great movie. And no one's seen this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just like me and my best friend from high school have seen this movie, but that's it. No one you know, knows it, but they should. Mm-hmm. And they need to appreciate the beauty and mm-hmm. the grace in which it was made. <laughs> and just the shining star of Paul Walker, which ultimately is what this movie is a symbol of and what this podcast is almost devoted to. Uh, <laughs> yep. Thank you for appreciating Paul Walker with us. I don't know if he will be part of the next edition of Dick's Picks, but it was certainly worth being a part of this one. Thank you for listening. Well, how do you know about Caleb Mandrake? Call it a guess. You know what this is? It's a bug. It's a bug. Understand? Now I want you to listen to me. I want you to stop following Lombard's people. You've been digging, Luke, and if you keep digging, you're gonna dig your own grave. What? You didn't think they would figure out what you've been doing? How they know everything we do. They know every place we go. Your place is Bud's? My place is as well? Oh yeah, and your friend upstairs? Her place is Bud too, so she's not safe either. None of us are safe. What's rule 119? <laughs> A duel? You must be kidding. Don't play games with me, Caleb! I had an affair with my mother's best friend. Schoolmates, soulmates. My father always covers for me. Always gets me out of trouble. I never take responsibility for anything. You're gonna have a heart attack at 30. I can see it. Local sewers, I imagine. He's a townie.
our rules supersede those of the outside world. Caleb Mandrake and your seven new friends come in. You're gonna sit with them or sit with me? camera, I want the tape, and I want my stuff back now. Soulmates. You used me. No, Luke. I helped you. I taught you how to make the world work for you. For us. Do you truly believe you can walk away from this? All we've given you? And someday when I call on you for a favor, will you be able to deny me? And if you deny me, will it jeopardize the life you've built for your wife and your family? I don't know if you can live with those doubts, Luke. Watch me. Well done, son. 